When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. You might hear a little background noise, but that's just uh, life from working at home. You'll have to learn to deal with it. It won't last forever. But uh, be that as it may, a lot to talk about today. We're going to take a little trip down memory lane. Top 10 list today is about Mississippi State sporting events. And we've got a history lesson at the end of the show. We're going to talk some recruiting stuff. We're going to talk a lot of other things today. I mean, it's 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 a packed show. I mean, it really is. I, I mean, I've, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about this show, had trouble getting back to bed. There are some questions you guys ask me from time to time on Twitter, on the message board, and sometimes you know, I'll answer them, but they kind of stay with me. And I'll, I'll think about that, and we're going to tackle one of those today. Uh, I want to remind you guys, too, that uh, the new book, Alpha Dogs, uh, will be out sooner rather than later. Uh, the book's been laid out. It's about to be pushed off to the printer. And, uh, and so we'll have a release date for you guys very, very, very soon. We're talking a matter of days. And then uh, you guys that want to pre-order can go ahead and pre-order. I'm excited about that. And, and listen, you guys have heard me talk about it on the show for many times. You know, every so often you take a moment and you take an inventory and look at what all you've done, and I think, you know what, this is this is a great, great situation. That noise you heard is our, our newest pup trying to establish his dominance here. When he's ready to go out, he barks. He's ready to go. He's now outside. So be that as it may. Uh, so, yeah, so Stark Villains was a blast. Alpha Dogs was even that much more fun. And uh, because we could devote a little more time to it, because we didn't have college baseball and stuff going on, I honestly believe the writing is better. I know the fact-checking and editing is better. But be that as it may, I am confident that I made some mistakes somewhere. Not the major, but I'm sure there'll be something. Somebody will message me and say, hey, Steve, you should have put a comma here. Or you put the period outside of parentheses here. You know, there'll be that, that kind of stuff. I think we got it all, but you never know. But the bottom line is that's the beauty of the first edition. If you haven't done so, go to Stark Villains, the book, and you can get personalized copies of Flim Flam and Stark Villains right there. And uh, that URL will take you to Alpha Dogs as well. But we'll have everything set up, make it easy for you. Well, I, get, I get messages every single day. Hey, Steve, when's the new book coming out? And that means more to me than I can possibly share. But uh, exciting times, to say the least. I was on the Bo Bound Show this morning. We talked some about the book. Uh, listen, a lot of great stories and a lot of great memories for you, which kind of led me to today's top ten list. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. I want to remind you, Bulldog Burger Company, Long-time sponsors of this show, man, and great purveyors of fine food right here in Stark Vegas. Now with two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Starkville and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Man, a great location there. If, you, if you're just passing through, uh, you can get uh, a taste from home. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if you're just out there on business, go by there, check it out. Uh, it's going to be great. We had uh, Bulldog Burger to go earlier this week. I had the chicken wings, and that's one of the things I think is kind of a uh, it may, maybe a forgotten delicacy there. Really good chicken wings there. So you can get them as an appetizer. You can get them as an entree. 
But listen, the reason you go to Bulldog Burger Company is to get a great restaurant-quality hamburger, and that's exactly what you're going to find. Bulldog Burger Company, part of a great family of restaurants that have served the Golden Triangle for many, many years. You know what to do. Go find your own favorites. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo, where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, big news. Not unexpected news, but kind of a relief nonetheless. After what kind of we went through last week with Dwayne Lofton. You know, and I'm going to give you a little insight on that, too. We talked a little bit last week about that. I kind of talked myself into the Dwayne Lofton thing because initially everybody, everything that I heard out of Texas you know, from our people out there, and I've been in this industry a long time now, and so I've got people that I've met, and I say, hey, listen, hey, what are you hearing on this kid? And sometimes they'll know a coach on a staff or they'll know, you know, the kid directly or have some type of connection to a seven-on-seven coach. And so it's good to compare notes. And any time that Mississippi State really gets involved with an out-of-state prospect, and it looks like things are kind of moving along, that's one of the first things that I do is reach out to people that I know that might have a relationship or can at least get me some information. And so the book on Dwayne Lofton was, you know what, Steve, yeah, the kid's got some offers, but, um, you know, he and his mom are very, very close, and uh, he'll, he's going to want to stay close to her. So really watch TCU, what TCU hadn't offered yet. But the book was, he's going to stay in Texas, and then the kid goes to Virginia Tech. I don't think that sticks. I think in the end he will end up in the state of Texas. I, I really trust the people I've talked to out there. Now, listen, there are some kids out there that – you know, their home situation could be so, you know, could be one of the situations they want to get as far away. Like LaMichael James, you may remember L. Mike. Uh, I think me and the illustrious hind dog were the first people on the L. Mike bandwagon. You know, I, and he was one of those kids. Listen, he was living in his grandmother's house with no power. Didn't have a lot to choose from, you know, as far as, uh, you know, what to do every day. This is a kid that needed football. And he wanted to get as far away from Cypress, Texas as he possibly could. So he went to Oregon. And you know what? He went up there and became a star. Happy for him. That might be the case for Dwayne Lawson. I don't know. Maybe he wants to get away from home. But the, but the book continues to be, this kid's going to end up in the state of Texas. But uh, I kind of said, you know what? We're, we're, we're going good, and we've been in the mix there. And I talked to the kid the weekend before his announcement, and uh, he certainly made it seem like it was going to be Mississippi State. But, you know, things change in recruiting. But after going through all of that, the disappointment of that one, and again, I, I don't listen. I'm not trying to be, you know, to uh, to glaze over this. I think Dwayne Lofton would be a great player in this offense. I think he's exactly what Mike Leach wants to use in the slot. Uh, but be that as it may, I don't know that he's a difference maker. And again, I'm not trying to say we should have taken the kid. I think we certainly should have. But Malik Neighbors is a guy that really benefits you tremendously. Now, this was not an either-or situation. Okay, I think it's important to understand that, too. We're kind of slot heavy right now uh, on the roster, so we need some outside receivers. And so going to get a guy like Malik Neighbors, and if you have not watched his video, go look at my scouting report from yesterday. What's, what's Mississippi State getting and Malik Neighbors? You go watch that, and you see what a great job this kid does in the red zone, whether it's the fade, whether it's the back shoulder throw. If the ball is off target, he just simply has great body control and can kind of get himself into position to receive the football and shield the defender. Really like his game. He runs away from people. Uh, very instinctive as a cornerback. There were some schools that were kind of recruiting him as a safety. And uh, one of the things that I understand is that he has said routinely, you know, I'll play whatever they want me to play. You know, but this is a guy I think that his best days lie ahead as a receiver. But if you watch his defensive highlights, you get an idea of what a great athlete he is. It's like it's not just a situation where he's playing some position of elegance at wide receiver 
and uh, can't be tucked. He is a physical football player. He is a tough alpha dog type player. Not only was he a starting defensive back and receiver, he was also the team's punter. I mean, just a guy that could absolutely do it all. I have talked to so many people about Malik Neighbors here in the last two months. I don't think it's a situation where he should be overshadowed uh, by Teddy Knox at all. I think they're going to be great compliments to each other. Teddy Knox will play on the inside, and uh, Malik can play on the outside. But uh, you know, th- this is a dynamic duo. This is a great group to come in when you begin to think Brandon Buckhalter, Teddy Knox, Malik Neighbors, and go get you one more. I still think that's probably Jacoby Moore. But Malik Neighbors is that alpha dog kid. He is a guy that expects to win every single game. I had somebody tell me yesterday he is the kind of guy that if you put on some game tape against the University of Alabama, he would say, you know what, I think we can find a way to win here. I think we can find – what if we do this? What if we do that? Rather than just saying, hey, it's going to be a long day, this is the kind of kid that tries to find uh, something big to do. He finds some way uh, to make things happen. And, you know, that reminds me a little bit of, like, the Dak Prescott thing. You know, Dak Prescott and Josh Robinson, when they came to Mississippi State, they did not accept the natural order of things. They didn't say, oh, well, Mississippi State's not supposed to go to Death Valley and beat LSU. They just went and did it. Uh, they didn't say, oh, well, Mississippi State's not supposed to, uh, you know, to go beat Auburn at their place. But they did. You know, and we need some of that. You know, it kind of reminds me a little bit, too, you know, like when Chad Bumpus was here. You know, Chad Bumpus, Chris Smith, you know, Tata Russell. These were guys that were accustomed to winning. And they didn't just go to the college level to think, okay, well, I'll just go be on an also-ran type quality team. I'm going to bring my winning ways with me to the college level. That's what turned Mississippi State around. It wasn't just recruiting a highlight film. It was recruiting kids to the culture. It was recruiting kids to what Dan Mullen envisioned for Mississippi State. And I think Joe Moorhead did some of that too in recent years, and I think we're going to benefit from that in the next uh, year or two. I think Joe, if Joe had been able to win on the field, I think that uh, he'd been a heck of a recruiter, and I think he already had that piece of it kind of figured out. Uh, but be that as it may, there's only so much you can tell on a highlight video. You know, what does a guy do when he's getting his butt whipped? When his team is down 30 in the third quarter, is he on the sidelines pouting? Is he on the sidelines on the bench? Is he, you know, trying to find his phone so he can text his friends, see what's going on after the game? You know, those are the things that you that you see by going to games. I remember last year watching Jaden Wally at D'Iberville. I went and watched D'Iberville get absolutely destroyed by Picayune. I mean, absolutely run off the field. And while this defense is struggling – while Picayune is having their way with them, getting up in that unbalanced line and just getting downhill over and over and over again, and Diaberville just, just simply couldn't stop them. The game was over in the second quarter, but there's Jaden Wally up there encouraging the defense. They call a timeout to give those guys a little bit of a breather, and there's Jaden Wally walking out there slapping people on the helmets. Those are the kind of kids you need on your team. I don't need the front-runner kids. I need the guys that are going to try to find a way to win. And, that, and that's, that's the long play, right, Jaden? Because here's the deal. Though that game was over, Jaden Wally knew they had a lot more football left to play. So this is a guy endearing himself to his team. Those are the kind of kids you win with. And that's what you go get a guy like Malik Neighbors and Teddy Knox for. These are guys that, number one, know how to win, but they understand 
It's a long game. It's a long season. It's a long career. So getting Malik Neighbors, I think, gives Mississippi State some real identity in the state of Louisiana. Go back and look at all the mentions yesterday on his tweet, for those of you that do Twitter.com, and you can see that there are a lot of big-time kids in Louisiana that took notice of Malik Neighbors committing to Mississippi State. One of the best comments that I read yesterday actually didn't come from a Mississippi State fan. It came from an Ole Miss fan, believe it or not. He said, man, I hate did Mississippi State got Malik Neighbors. And I don't think it's because he, you know, Ole Miss had offered Malik Neighbors, but they really weren't in the game with him. But uh, he went on to say, and the last thing that we need is for Mike Leach to start recruiting quality offensive players. You know, Mississippi State, by and large, has been a defensive team over the years. And I think this Rebel fan has kind of figured it out, that all of a sudden, you know, State has been able to kind of recruit to the defensive side of the football. And now all of a sudden you're able to attract some of these uh, four-star quality skill set guys on the offensive side of the football. Now you're beginning to kind of take some steps towards changing your identity a little bit. Because that's what Mike Leach is going to do. Mike Leach, because of the brand of offense that he runs, is going to attract quarterbacks and wide receivers that Mississippi State ordinarily hadn't been able to get. And that's not to say that Dan Mullen didn't do a great job recruiting quarterbacks, and Joe Moore, for that matter, but it's a different brand of offense. It's a different style of quarterback. So the good news is, is that you've got the majority of your wide receiver class already put together, probably holding out one more spot for sure. You get Jacoby Moore. And people forget, too, we have a huge influx of, of new names this year. You know, you had your uh, two junior college guys, Malik Heath, Caleb Ducking, and then you had three high school guys, Jaden Wiley, Rufus Harvey, and uh, Tulu Griffin, and then you add Terrell Shavers into the mix. So that's six new signees. Then you add Trip Wilson in as a as a preferred walk on, and that's basically he's the kid that Mississippi State had, had, would have signed in some earlier years. Certainly capable of playing in the SEC. So you got seven newcomers coming in. Then you redshirted Quentin Torber and Keziah Pruitt last year, and so now you begin to think about okay, well listen, there, that's a lot of new names in the mix at wide receiver. And then you're going out and you're beginning to to stack some classes. This year's wide receiver group right now, if you look at it and say, you know what, we're already off to a better start. Brendan Buckhalter, probably one of the most underappreciated players in the state of Mississippi because he committed so early. He's one of those guys that they committed early and kind of lost his hype. And some of that, too, we didn't get out and go see that kid last year. But Mississippi State fans don't need to sleep on Brandon Buckhalter. This guy can really, really play. And he can play a number of positions. He can play safety. He can play uh, probably three or four of the wide receiver spots in Mississippi State. But you get him, you get Teddy Knox, you get Malik, and let's say you go add Jacoby Moore, and then you can kind of be patient. I don't know that you need five receivers in this class, but you save a best available spot, and then if you have a guy open up late, you take him. Yeah, you know, and who's to know? Maybe Dwayne Lofton comes back around and says, you know what, hey, guys, I made a mistake. You know, maybe Mike Leach is forgiving. I don't know. But it's interesting, too, the things that I think about when, uh, when I look at what this class has come together. And I made a post last night over on uh, Gene's page and kind of the way I see things. Let's, let's kind of break it down here, too, with you guys. You know, we can only sign 23 in the class because of the Tudor Gate sanctions. Now, if math and memory serve me correct, we still have a mid-year spot we can use. So this could be a 24-man class. And, again, I'll double-check that, but I believe that is the case because we, Tyrell Shavers took us to 83, but we still had one in the annual limit. So we should have 
the opportunity to count one back. So it won't be more than a 24 man class, but it could be 24, but for certainly 23. But let's just, you know, let's just talk about that for a second. You got a dozen guys committed, you got 11 spots left. All right, so you want to go out and get four to five offensive linemen. Well, you got one in the boat now, so you're going to add three to four. Speaking of which, uh, Mississippi State extends an offer today to Lake Cormorant offensive lineman Gabe Cavazos. If, you have, if you're a Jeans Page member, you were well aware of this guy a week ago. Uncovered him, had a chance to speak to him, got some information from his coach, and uh, you know, things are rolling along. 6'5", 292-pound offensive tackle. Comes from a great family, good student, good kid, ready to roll. I do think he commits sooner rather than later. I don't think it'll be one where he just jumps right on it today. I, initially, I did. I did think that he would go ahead and do it. But uh, I still think it happens pretty quick. But uh, be that as it may, so of that 11, let's say you, you're going to add three defensive linemen, which at this point we have zero, and you're going to add three to four offensive linemen. So that's six for sure. So half of the spots remaining are going to be allocated to guys in the trenches. Well, then what are, what are we going to do about an all-purpose back? What are we going to do about another linebacker? We've got two. You know, you've got uh, Devonta Q. Strong, who is an inside backer, and you go out and get Tamar Rogers, who's an outside guy. Do you need another outside guy? You know, probably so. You know, probably so. I think you take your time with that. You still got to get two corners. Now you got Cortez Eatman. He's a junior college guy, but you got to go get two high school guys. You got a couple of guys out there that we're well aware of, MJ Daniels and Justin Wally. And I still think Justin Wally, Jaden's younger brother, will be in the class. Do you get MJ Daniels or do you take Brandon Tolls? You know, I, I think that th- those are decisions you kind of got to start making. But I think there's a really good chance that both of your corners in this class are going to be Mississippi kids. You had Callaway, Kadarius Callaway, flip to Alabama, and uh, then you've got Matthew Langlois out there, and they're different kinds of players. But, again, when you think about the fact that you're going to add three, th- a minimum three more offensive linemen, three defensive linemen, that brings you to six. You've got five spots left. Well, if you take an all-purpose back, now you're down to four. You take another linebacker, now you're down to three. You take a couple corners, and then you've got a safety. So the point that I'm trying to make is – is things are already getting tight. The numbers are already tight. It's not as simple as, okay, let's just go take another running back or let's go take another wide receiver. You know, listen, there there are some decisions that have to be made. And I think we've got a pretty good handle on uh, most positions. I mean, defensive line is still kind of a work in progress because of the fact that there are so few defensive linemen in the state of Mississippi this year. Yeah, I still think Ty Cooper is going to be a bulldog when it's all said and done. But what do you do on those interior positions? You know, what do you do for that you know, strong side defensive end position? And those are the things that we still kind of figure out. We're, I think we're beginning to kind of identify the offensive line names. The defensive line names still kind of – that's the one thing you look at and say, okay, what's the path forward here? There's some names out there, but I think, I think we're going to take some time because of the fact that uh, you've got to build relationships. There are a lot of guys out there that uh, you haven't seen play. There are a lot of guys out there that hadn't been on your campus. And so I don't think now is the time to panic. Mississippi State doesn't have to rush this process because there's going to be quality defensive linemen, I think, around. And there are going to be new names that pop up over the course of the season. You know, trust me, when we get into November, there's going to be guys there are going to be guys on our message board saying, man, wonder if, could we drop this kid and take this kid? There's going to be new names that pop up that we're going to want. You know, I, I had a discussion yesterday with a friend in May of last year. Mississippi State already had 17 commitments. 17. Before we even had camp, we had 17 commitments. 
And so I, I kind of like this approach a little bit better because of the circumstances, because we didn't have the camps. If we had camps this year and we'd taken a few more guys, it'd make sense. But since we didn't get the benefit of the summer camps, I, I'm kind of okay with let's kind of take our time here. Plus, I think the staff has kind of identified most of their guys. I think we know who we want at wide receiver. I think we know who we want at corner. I think we know who we want at safety. I think it's just kind of a matter of kind of figuring out the last spot or two on the offensive line. Uh, I know Rod Orr is a guy that got in Alabama that uh, has been a priority guy. What worries me about him is a late offer from Auburn. He's an Auburn fan. Gadsden's not that far away. So at that point, if you take him, you got to hope the relationship can hold up. But uh, but again, big news in recruiting, and uh, yeah, it's it's important too. That's the, you know we're right there in the 40s. Uh, what worries me a little bit is we're not on more four-star kids. So it's not going to be a highly ranked class. I think it could be a very good class. I think it'll be, you know, a class probably in the, in the top 30, 35 or so. And that's okay, I think, for the first year, especially considering the, the, the talent level in the state of Mississippi is down this year. Uh, so, you know, and again, and to be fair to those kids, we hadn't seen a whole lot of them. There's a lot of those kids that uh, we get to see for the first time in summer camps that we don't get the benefit of seeing. And so – uh, the rankings are a work in progress, and I don't say that to be critical of the network or anybody in our industry. It's just we haven't had the chance to see a lot of these kids in person to really validate what we think about them. And, and as we've always seen with OLDL guys, they develop at such a different rate, sometimes you don't really get to see them. And so the big question that people always – whether I have a chat session or message board, people always say, you know, well, Steve, you know, why is Ole Miss struggling so much in recruiting? And I think the better question is why wouldn't they struggle in recruiting – and, again, you're going to think I'm throwing shade, and I don't mean to. I just want to answer your question. You know, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Missouri, Ole Miss, all, all new coaches this year, and Ole Miss struggling the most, without a doubt. I think I read a statistic today that they're, they're ranked 63 out of 65 Power 5 schools this year uh, in recruiting. Now, a lot of that's because of the fact that they don't have a lot of commitments. And some of that's the fact, too, that, uh, you know, some of their commitments, are, I think, are a little bit of a reach. But uh, they're going to find some kids that are going to want to come play. And I still think they get Antonio Harmon. Uh, they'll make a run on some kids. And, uh, you know, they'll get excited about it. And they'll tell you that they want in recruiting again. But, you know, here's a sobering reality. I think if you're an Ole Miss person. There is not a high school senior that has seen, Mrs., has seen Ole Miss play in a ball game throughout their entire high school career. That is weird to think about. Do the math on it. 16, 17, 18, 19. No bowl games since 2015. So many of these guys have matured in, as prospects with Ole Miss not having a winning season or going to a bowl game, yet they've seen Mississippi State do it. They've seen Alabama do it. And so Ole Miss, in many respects, has not really been in the conversation. And so I think that is one of the things that Lane Kiffin and a new staff there is having to combat and then not to mention, as ripe as our culture is right now for social correctness, you know, I imagine it's probably a little bit difficult uh, to get on the phone and call an out-of-state kid and say, hey, we want you to come be an Ole Miss Rebel. And, uh, yeah, we just moved the Confederate statue. I mean, th- those are some warts that uh, I-, I think are real impediments to recruiting. You know, the big talk is, oh, you know, we just got to get kids on campus. Well, you know, Missouri and Arkansas are, are facing the same problem, but they're able to recruit at a higher rate. You know, Mississippi State – Hadn't had a chance to get, uh, you know, Malik Neighbors and those guys on campus in a while either. Malik Neighbors came to camp here last year, but they were still able to get him in the boat. Because, you know, I th- again, I think that bodes well for the future for Mississippi State. Uh, 
You know, I think Joe Moorhead had kind of figured out some things that took Dan Moore a little while. Dan kind of figured out too, and, and you know, when he, and I go all the way back to Sylvester Croom. You know, if you're, for those of you that have been recruiting next for a long time, you remember the biggest recruiting day we used to have outside of official visits was the big cookout. Remember, we'd have a cookout every year. And so Coach Croom and his staff would invite in all the Mississippi guys and then one or two priority targets at a border state. But they would bring in the Mississippi kids. And we'd have a steak dinner. It was kind of like a glorified junior day, bringing all the families and everybody. And, of course, they had they, people had to pay. But you get all those guys together, and then you have all your in-state commitments around your targets, and then we'd have, you know, two or three kids commit. And it was always such a big turning point in recruiting. I think Kroom figured out you got to get kids here. Mississippi State is a special place, but you can only tell them for, how long, for so long it's special. They need to see it for themselves. So you get them here, let them tour the facilities, and let them get to know what we're about. I think Dan Mullen struggled with that a little bit early on. And then Dan kind of figured out, you know what, we've got a great place here. We've got a great place. We've got to get kids to campus. And I remember hearing Lee Davis and them talk about that. You know, if we can ever get them to campus, we feel like we can commit them. We just got to get them here because there were so many people, because their high school coaches had been here uh, back when Mississippi State didn't have a whole lot. And we had a balanced budget, but we didn't have a lot of facilities to really brag about but so a lot of people had this negative impression of Mississippi State and so we had to combat that I think we've overcome that now and then Joe Moorhead you know last year I mean Joe that's when Joe really turned the corner as a recruiter I thought you know that in the springtime he had all these kids in Mississippi you know kids like Nathan Pickering those guys that we really wanted he was able to get those guys on campus Jerry and Jones Dennis Jackson you get them up here and then people commit you know, they got him here, made him feel like family, and, and it was a different approach. Well, I think Mike Leach and his staff, they get that. And so the fact that they're able to kind of recruit it where we are now, and again, I, I think we're a little bit behind where I hope to be, but I, the, the pandemic has casualties in every in every aspect of life. And I think that has slowed us down a little bit, but not to the point of it does is it Ole Miss. And I think one of the things, too, that I look at Ole Miss, too, I think they're also fishing in some pines that they don't have a big enough boat for. You know, I think, you know, it's one of those things when you're at Alabama, Tennessee, or USC, when you throw that offer out there, you know, people take notice. But listen, you know, and again, you think I'm throwing shade. I'm not. I'm just telling the truth. Ole Miss is not a national brand, at least not in a positive way. And so you don't get the same bang for your buck when you extend that offer. That's why schools like Mississippi State, you have to follow that offer up with an incredible amount of effort. Melvin Smith told me years ago, when you're recruiting in a place like Mississippi State and Ole Miss, by and large, you're recruiting a lot of kids outside of the state of Mississippi that never dreamed of coming here. And so you're trying to talk kids into coming here that didn't want to come here initially. And so you've got to overcome that. You've got to get them to the point where they feel like, okay, well, that, this might be a real option for me. And listen, all, the kids say the right things when, they're, when you're interviewing them. They do. I mean, the, the, the kids today are a lot more savvy about that than they were 10 years ago. You know, because they've grown up watching their peers and reading about stuff on the Internet, you know, but, hey, this kid's a big-time kid, and I want to be interviewed someday too. And so kids have kind of, you know, their coaches and all have done a good, better job of kind of teaching. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. 
Altacovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever them how to handle the media so it's a much different deal but i think this staff is going to do a good job of selling mississippi state i interviewed jason washington earlier today i'll post that later this afternoon and he talked about the benefits of selling mississippi state how you can sell parents and then how you can sell kids and i think it's important for that you know our fans kind of understand you have people on campus that at washington state never got these uh, little caravan trips. They never had somebody show up in a bus with a bunch of four- and five-star kids and say, hey, Coach, I want to be a Cougar. It didn't happen. They'd go, to, they'd go to Oregon State. They'd go to Oregon. They'd go to Washington. They wouldn't go to Washington State. And that's one of the things that uh, Brittany Thackeray told me, much like Lee Davis. If we just felt like if we could ever get them on campus and treat them like family, we could get them. Well, there's a lot more of those kids that are going to be willing to come visit Mississippi State than they were Washington State. And I think that's where the turning point is. But the fact that we're getting guys like Teddy Knox and Sawyer Robertson and Daniel Greek and Brandon Buckhalter, and I give Joe Moorhead credit for that, and Malik Neighbors, that you're getting these out-of-state kids to come be a part of this program before we've ever played it down a football. So it's a lot about the recruiting acumen of Mike Leach and his staff. I want to remind you guys, too, if you are in the process of uh, upgrading your scent options hawthorne is the way to go and guys let's be honest everybody kind of got started on dad's old spice and listen we've outgrown that okay and all due respect to the guys still using old spice but listen it's time listen 
You know, you used to have a nightlight too, but you grew up and you started sleeping with the lights off. Okay, same deal here. Okay, it's time to put dad's cologne back where it belongs and get your own. Visit the folks at hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. Use promo code BONEYARD to unlock some savings for yourself. That's promo code BONEYARD. Take the short two-minute quiz. We talk about it all the time. I don't even think it takes two minutes. But then you pick your preferences and they will pair you up. They will pair you up with the products that best fit your preferences. And it's listen, it's going to be great. It's the best clone I've ever had. Again, it's hawthorne.co, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O, promo code Boneyard. All right, so let's get into today's top 10 list. Today's top 10 list is one I've actually had this sent to me a couple times. And I spent some time to think about it, and so we're going to do it today. It's my top 10 Mississippi State sports memories. Now, the overwhelming majority of these are going to be memories that we've shared together. Some of these, and only a couple of these that I watched on television, uh, most of these are ones that I've either covered or attended uh, as a fan before I was a member of the media. But uh, be that as it may, you're going to have your own memories. And I'm going to tell you, your list today might be better than mine. You might have lived longer, might have been more well-traveled. More times than not, I'll tell you that my list is correct, your list is always wrong. But your list for this might be different. Because I think these things are very special. Very special. Uh, There are some that mean more to me. One that didn't make the list. And it's going to sound a little silly to you guys when I say it, but there's a reason why. So... One of my favorite memories, in hindsight, at the night, at the time, it was brutal. The night we lost to Maine was one of the most embarrassing nights as a Mississippi State fan, but it was the last game that my dad ever attended. And so I look back at that, and it makes me think, you know, I, I should have sat with my dad. You know, I, I should have, rather than, you know, sitting club level with some friends, I should have spent that time with my dad. But listen, there's never enough time. There's never enough time. No matter, no matter how what you do in life, no matter if you go eat dinner, Sunday dinner with your mom every Sunday, when they pass away, you always second guess and think, man, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. So to, to take advantage of those moments. But once those moments have passed, don't beat yourself all over it because I don't think our loved ones would want that. But here are my top ten. My top ten Mississippi State memories. So let's start with uh, number ten, the 2007 Egg Bowl. I was there, my best friend uh, and uh, our boys, and uh, we were there to watch Derek Pegues bring it back and Adam Carlson make the kick of his life. And it was one of those things, too. We felt like that we were kind of, you know, we were on our way back from a really rough stretch. For the better part of that decade, we had not been competitive in football in most respects. And we were going to go to a bowl game for the first time since 2000, but you know, it would have been one of those deals where if Ole Miss had beaten us, it would have taken a lot of luster off the season. But then some magical things happened, and we win the game. And I think it really kind of validated our season, and I think it made us feel a little bit better about 2008. Even things didn't go as well as we planned. But I, I'll never forget that Derek Pegues punt. I'll never forget Brandon Cooper Arguably the only big play that he made the whole time he was there on that big fourth down play was Brandon Cooper, who took Michael Orr into the backfield and sat him in the lap of Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis. And it was just one of those days where it felt like there was something magical in the air to ensure Mississippi State was going to win. I'll never forget that. Number nine for me, and I I put this one maybe higher on some other lists, but uh, I did not get to attend this in personally, but... uh, the reason that I am a college baseball fanatic is because of the 1985 College World Series. 
because of Will Clark and Rafael Palmeiro watching them become national names and taking Mississippi State with them. We were already on the cusp of being a national power, and we had been a regional power for decades, but we really became a national name because of the 85 College World Series, and, and we should have absolutely won the whole thing. We were the best team in the country that year. I interviewed Rafael Palmero about that. It's going to come out in Alpha Dogs. We talked about that, and, and he said, listen, we always expected to win every game. So we did. With nobody in the country we were, we were afraid of. We believe we could compete with anybody. But that two weeks made me realize how special college baseball is, and I'm so grateful that I get to cover it for a living. And to be honest with you guys, as much as I love recruiting, as much as I love football, and all the rest of it, and I'm nosy, I want to be involved in everything. But if they said, hey, listen, Steve, you can only pick one sport to cover the rest of your life, I'd have to go college baseball. There's just uh, some romance with all of that that, uh, that listen, I, that I don't know that I'll ever lose. Number eight for me, another baseball memory, and this is something, this is a memory that you can't have because it was my memory. It was back in 1979. Went to watch Mississippi State play with my dad. At a game in Jackson. I don't remember if we played the Jackson Mets or we played Ole Miss. I don't remember. And I've shared this story with you guys before. But when the game was over, as the Bulldogs were leaving the field, there all those all the kids back in those days, you would give everybody a five. It wasn't like it is today. You know, kids today can get a picture and and uh, you know Snapchat or whatever. It's always such a big deal. You know, we were just happy to get a five from a player. Like when a guy left the field, we all held our hands out, and as they walked off the field, they would touch every kid's hand. That was the biggest moment in the world to us. Oh, we, I you know, got a high five from this key, from this player. It didn't even matter if we knew who they were. Just the fact they played at Mississippi State was such a big deal. But be that as it may, Mike Kelly, as he left the field, all those kids were out there. Mike Kelly gave me his hat. And then my dad, in his second divorce, somehow we lost the hat in the divorce. After we moved out, the hat didn't come with us. Don't know where it is to this day. But I got a chance to share that story with Mike Kelly when I interviewed him for the new book. But that was one of those moments where I felt like, you know, this is really kind of cool here. That uh, all these kids wanted this stuff, but he gave it to me. It made me feel really special. And I got to thank Mike for that uh, as an adult. It's one of those cool things. It means a lot to me. Mike Kelly has always been the when. I didn't remember a lot about Mike Kelly because I was so young at the time, but uh, I have appreciated the fact that he was kind of Jake Mangum before Jake Mangum. Number seven on my list, we beat Cincinnati in the Elite Eight to advance to the Final Four in 1996. That was such a magical season, and I still believe to this day that we should have won the national championship. But uh, Syracuse and Jim Beheim locked us down in that zone. We couldn't hit from outside. We just got cold. And, and uh, even though we had the lead early on, they, uh, they found a way to beat us. And, um, you know, I would have loved to have matched up with Kentucky again because we had the athletes to run with Kentucky, as we, show, we had shown in the, in the SEC tournament. I think we could have won an Apple championship, which is sadly the uh, – you know, kind of the phrase of every Bulldog fan at some point. Yeah, we should have done this, should have done that. We didn't do it. I'm looking forward to the day we can say we are national champions. Number six for me was the 2019 Omaha trip. Uh, one of the greatest springs of my life. And I'll tell you, the decision that I made when Jake was chasing the SEC record, I said, okay, listen, we're going to go on the road because we never know when he's going to break the record. 
And so I wanted to be there, wanted to be able to capture that, and the record fell, fell at Tennessee, and I was the only media person there. There was nobody there. We got exclusive video, exclusive quotes, and I'll be honest with you, I earned it. You know, it would really kind of hack me off if I'd covered Mississippi State baseball home and away, and then everybody showed up on that trip to Knoxville. But I was there, and uh, Jake breaks the record, and I remember getting video and sharing that, and it went viral among the Mississippi State family. And, uh, you know, John Mangum came up to me the next day and says, hey, man, thanks for being here and videoing that and sharing that for all those people back home. We had a lot of family that got a chance to see, you know, Jake talk about that. That's one of those things I look back and I say, you know what, I'm really glad – I made the effort to go do that because I think it was important. But uh, following that team last year and, and all the way to Omaha, one of the greatest springs of my life, one of the greatest experiences, not just as a professional, but as a person. I will cherish that forever and a day. Speaking of cherishing, number five, being in Dallas on press row when Morgan William dropped the dagger to beat UConn, uh, that is one of those surreal moments that when you begin to think, is this really us? Did this really happen to us? And it did. And, and what I remember, too, is how we became America's sweethearts. Everybody, like it, being in Dallas, like walking around there, watching our players, anybody that had Mississippi State stuff on, whether it be South Carolina or Stanford fans, everybody was congratulating Mississippi State fans because deep down – when Mississippi State began to pull away from UConn, everybody in America was pulling from Mississippi State. And uh, the fact that we could pull it off, because it never happens. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's a lot of games you keep it close, but we did it. Morgan William did it and made a shot to put her into immortality. And being able to, to witness it live is something that I'll never forget. Number four for me was the 1998 Egg Bowl win at Oxford that enabled us to go to Atlanta. And one of the things that I have shared many times, there's a lot of this, you know, trash talk. We did this and we did that. You know, here's the deal. We got to go win at your place and then parade around Vault Hemingway Stadium with the Golden Egg and then pack our bags and go to Atlanta and you got to watch us celebrate. I mean, and so until you do that, until you have celebrated an SEC West Championship at Davis Wade Stadium, there's really not a whole lot for us to talk about. But that was one of my favorites for sure. Uh, number three for me was that Stanford Super Regional. And I know that, that I'm maybe cheating a little bit because I'm sharing a couple memories from that season. But I think you guys will give me a little grace on this one because we had such a magical weekend with that Super Regional. We'll never forget that night, you know, Peyton Plumley coming off, uh, that huge performance by him. And, man, how money was Peyton Plumley, man, down the stretch. I'm so happy for that guy. A lot of people gave up on Peyton Plumlee, but he never gave up on himself. Never gave up on himself. And when Mississippi State needed Peyton Plumlee, he was there time after time after time. And there he was in one of the greatest wins in school history, walking off the mound with the lead and ultimately the winning pitcher. Then Jake comes around and hits a little Jake Mangum special, lasted batter, duty noble, and then Elijah, of course, hits a home run. And that's the moment everybody remembers. But that night it made me realize, you know what? We really do have something incredible here. It's not just good for around here. It's good for everywhere. Mississippi State baseball. Uh, number two, could have gone a couple different ways here. Number two for me was when we beat Auburn in 2014 to go to number one. 
That was the day that that was the, the greatest win of the modern era of Mississippi State football. The new generation had their moment. And it's a moment we'd shared and had never had before. But, uh, you know, we go to number one in the country, and all of a sudden we realize, you know what, we did hire the right coach in Dan Mullen. Because, listen, there was some up and up. People forget. You know, we were kind of up and down the first few years with Dan Mullen. But we knew Dak Prescott was everything Mullen wanted in a quarterback because he could throw the football and handle the running component of the offense. And as much as we love Tyler Russell, he was more of a drop-back passer. Tyler wasn't a great runner, as you guys know. And so Dak kind of unlocked this offense and enabled Dan Mullen to run at his full potential. That 2014 season is something we'll never forget. But number one for me was my first ever college football game. November 1st, 1980, that's right, got to see Mississippi State beat Alabama and beat Bear Bryant. I believe they had won 27 consecutive games. We beat them. And John Bond became my hero that day. And I remember thinking then, after we beat Alabama, I remember my mom tried to warm me up after we get ready to go play the Sun Bowl. And she goes, hey, they're playing Nebraska, and baby, they're just in a different league. And I was like, but mama, we beat Alabama. But we beat Alabama, mama. Don't talk to me about Nebraska being in a different league when we beat Alabama. Uh, and so I felt, that's kind of how I felt at that point. Even as a young kid, I felt like, you know what, all things are possible at Mississippi State. We may not always be the best, we may not always be the most consistent, but we're capable on any given day of beating anybody. And we beat one of the greatest teams in the history of college football right there in Jackson, Mississippi. And I'm so grateful, grateful I was able to see it. First game with my dad, uh, one of those things I'll always remember. But that's the top ten list. Send me your suggestions for the top ten list. I'm getting a bunch of them, too. And uh, I'm trying to get to them, so don't, don't get your feelings hurt if it takes me a little while. Sometimes I write them down, then I'll lose them on my desk, and I'll work them back to them. But uh, got a little bit of a longer show today, so we're going to work on a couple more things before I get out of here. I want to remind you, our good friends at Campus Bookmark, Stan and Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely talent, and Susie, the whole crew there will treat you like family because you know what? You are family. Many of you even use their free parking lot when you're commuter students here at Mississippi State. You still can. You can also outfit your family in the latest and runaway white fashions by visiting them at campusbookmart.net. Let me go ahead and tell you now, everybody in your family wants a new Mississippi State shirt. They do. You can say whatever you want. You can tell yourself, well, we can wait and do this. No, no. We have suffered enough. Reward us. Reward the family, Mom, Dad. Reward the kids for being good and doing their best to try to keep the living room straight. Get everybody in a Mississippi State shirt. It's summertime. We're going to be getting ready to go back to school. We didn't get to have much of a summer. Poor kids had to go through uh, difficult times during the spring. Let's reward them a little bit. Let's buy them some state stuff. Buy yourself some state stuff while you're there. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. And if you use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders, over 50 bucks. Any order, less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So I want to let you guys, bring you guys up to speed on something. I, there was, I, I got a couple of books sent to me by a historian and a great bulldog sports lover, and I never knew these books existed. And then, and then once I mentioned it to, uh, to Mike Nemeth, it was almost like uh, I had uh, uncovered you know, like some national secret or something like, hey, how'd you know about that? But it's called the, uh, the M Book of Athletics. And I have one copy for A&M College, and I have one for State College. And it covers each of those periods in our, our history. And it's mainly just tablature. Mainly it's uh, rosters and records and scores and that sort of stuff. But there's some other things in there, some history. 
about your athletic programs that I wanted to share with you today. And you know, if, you, if you've read any of my books, you understand. I want to know it all. I do. And there's, you know, you'll drive yourself crazy with all that because there's so many stories out there that are, you know, they're, they're kind of folklore that uh, don't get passed around as much anymore. But I wanted to go back to the infancy of our football program. I'm going to talk about a couple things before we get out of here today. You guys may recall that uh, we began playing football before the turn of the century, 1896. Didn't even have a football field. We played the first game out at the racetrack. Now, I say that with such authority as if I know where the racetrack was. I have no clue where the racetrack was, but we did not have a venue, so we played on the infield of the racetrack back in 1896. In 1897, we didn't field the team because of yellow fever in the state. You, people have talked so much about the 1919 Spanish flu. 1897, we didn't play football because it was a virus. Sound familiar? We've been here before, people. It's, there's so many people that think we have it so rough. You know, can you only imagine as rudimentary as everything was back then? The flow of information was really slow. So we didn't we didn't field a team in 1897 due to yellow fever, and then we didn't field teams for uh, three more years because of a lack of interest. In 1901, we decided to get a little more serious about athletics, and uh, and you know, listen, players kind of raise money and stuff so they would have some more equipment and stuff and so we played and we won our first game in 1901 and i don't know if you know who we beat but i'll tell you the very first win in mississippi a&m aggie football history was a 17 nothing win over Ole miss what a great way to begin our history our first victory over our most hated opponent so what's interesting from there is uh, you know, we, 1903, we go undefeated for the first time. You know, the first couple of years that we played, we didn't win a game. The first year, we didn't score a point. Uh, then we get back on the field and begin to kind of get some things going around the turn of the century. In 1903, we go undefeated. In 1905, and I've shared this with you guys before, but I want to breeze over this real quickly here. 1905, Ole Miss had a, a real struggle putting a team together. Their, their coach resigned just before the season. And uh, they didn't score a point the whole year. And we beat them in Jackson. We played them in Jackson for the first time. They were trying to make a bigger deal out of the game. And, uh, and so we played the game in Jackson for the first time. So we win the game. And then we um, somehow, someway, those kids found a coffin. And those Aggie cadets had a full military funeral parade for Ole Miss football through the streets of Jackson in 1905. Uh, when we all get to heaven, I look forward to shaking their hands. So from there, from you know 1901 to 1911, without a doubt, the rivalry game was the biggest game on a schedule. And, you know, we began to kind of have our way with it. What's interesting, too, that 1910 Bulldog team, among the greatest to ever play in the Maroon and White, the 1910 team went 7-2, outscored our opponents 219 to 36 and had seven shutouts the only two games we lost were the games we gave up points Auburn scored six but sadly Ole Miss beat us 30 to nothing to end the year so as great as that team was a lot of difficulties kind of anointing them as the greatest ever when they lose to Ole Miss but uh coach Chadwick coach William Chadwick coached that team and for that name sounds familiar it should uh the lake outside of the Bryan building Lake Chadwick is named in his honor he was a guy that uh, not only was a football coach, but uh, 
you know, was an AD and did a little bit of everything at Mississippi State and, and really pushed for us to have the first modern athletic fields at Mississippi State. 1912 to 1924, Mississippi State absolutely dominated the rivalry with Ole Miss. And because of the fact that Ole Miss, Mississippi State began to have some success, according to the book, Ole Miss kind of de-emphasized the sport of football. And they kind of dismissed it a little bit as a game for farmers because apparently, because we were winning, all of a sudden the game was no longer important. Does that sound familiar to you guys? It's like any time we win, oh, well, I'm more of a baseball fan. Or, oh, you know, wait till the basketball season, whatever. It's, it's funny how that sentiment is still alive today. And so, interestingly enough, you know, we win the Egg Bowl in 1911. It wasn't the Egg Bowl then. It was just the, it was called the Classic. We played the football classic between State and Ole Miss and in 1911, we win the game. We didn't play again. Ole Miss would not schedule Mississippi State 1912, 1913, 1914. In 1915, we had an opportunity to play Ole Miss again. And we took out three years of frustration on them and beat them 65 to nothing. Now, and to, to kind of correlate that to modern times, that'd be about 150 to nothing. You know, back in those days, you won ball games 12 to 6, 18 to 10, that sort of stuff. We beat them 65 to nothing, which began a string of dominance in the rivalry that uh, you know, we hadn't seen in a long time. Mississippi State really dominated. You know, Ole Miss had their stretch from 47 to 63. Uh, Mississippi State had a great stretch there from, what, 1913 to 1925. Uh, so you can go check those out yourself. But uh, it's so interesting to read so much of this stuff. Uh, interesting, too, you know, we didn't play those three years. In 1918, we actually played twice. We played a home and away Egg Bowl in 1918. Played them uh, at, at their place and at our place. And a combined score, Mississippi A&M wins both 48 nothing. Before I get out of here, I want to share something, too, that, um, you know, we hear about so many people want to talk about our, our meager history and, and uh, traditions and that sort of stuff and act like that we're the, uh, you know, the, the, the – Mississippi School of Math and Sciences when it comes to athletics, and it's just not true. We have a very proud athletic heritage that dates back to the infancy of Mississippi State as an institution. Mississippi State was Mississippi State A&M College uh, up to 1930. I believe that's correct. But uh, what you'll find interesting is that every athletic team that we put on the field while we were Mississippi A&M had a winning record. Every single one. We ended the A&M era. Football was 122, 87, and 19. Baseball was 401, 219, and 23. Basketball was 202 to 117. Track and field, 41 and 6 and 20. And the ties mean we didn't finish in the top grouping. Uh, there was, you know, some there was some issues there. We didn't we didn't get destroyed, but we didn't do poorly either cross country we were 14 and 3 and 11 tennis we were 70 and 69 in boxing that's right not only we beat you on the field we'll beat your tail we're 36 and 30 and so i share that with you because i think it's important to know our history there's so many people out there that want to make us feel ashamed of who we are and where we've come from but when i look back at these books and i look back at these records and i look back at these heroes you guys like huey critz and willie mitchell and people like that that uh, did some big things for mississippi state W. Matthews, you know, these people need to be honored for a new generation. It's one of the reasons I began writing books about Mississippi State athletic history is because I wanted our new generation of fans to understand where we've come from. And so 
when you put on that Mississippi State sweatshirt or T-shirt or cap or whatever, wear it with pride because there is a rich tradition of athletics behind you. Yeah, we, we lost our way at times. We've had some athletic directors at times that didn't, uh, pr- didn't prioritize sports. But by and large, we have been able to attract great athletes at Mississippi State, and we have a proud heritage. And so I get a little tired of people acting like we are the, you know, the, 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 the little brother because we're not the little brother. And you go back and look in the infancy of this program in the, in the early stages of the 1900s, we dominated in just about every aspect. And it was leadership along the way that kind of led us astray. And that's the thing when I think about the leadership we have today, you know, we, we are no longer in the wilderness. You know, we're out leading the charge now as the school in Mississippi, without question. And I think the best days are ahead of us. So, again, hope you enjoyed that little trip down memory lane. And uh, look forward to being with you guys again on Friday. And by Friday, we should have an idea of what's going to happen with the SEC. Now, I'm told that the, uh, the Thursday meeting, that there may not be a formal announcement about a schedule but we should get some idea of kind of how the framework of this thing is going to look going forward on Friday. Uh, check with us at jeanspage.com. We'll be all over it, kind of keeping up with it, looking forward to, uh, to sharing what we learn with you on Friday. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.